Greetings, everyone. Michael Rosso here, Film Photography Podcast, here for a special bonus episode. And I'd like to welcome Baltimore correspondent Paige K. Davis. Hi, Paige. Hi, Mike. And this segment is a book review. The book is called Cameraman, Buster Keaton, and the Dawn of Cinema and the Invention of the 20th Century. Many listeners know that motion picture film is near and dear to my heart, and I'm a huge fan of 20th century cinema, and especially the early days of Buster Keaton. I was very excited to have the opportunity to review this book, Michael. I I don't know about you, but I don't have much knowledge of of Buster Keaton. Uh, I was certainly aware that he was a star of silent film, that he was an acrobatic uh, actor that uh, performed many stunts. And I thought of him as sort of like a a Charlie Chaplin-esque figure. When Astro Books reached out to the Film Photography Project about reviewing and providing an advanced copy of Cameraman for review... Uh, I was I was thrilled and and I volunteered as you know to mm-hmm. to take this up. So so author uh, Dana Stevens, who is a critic for Slate magazine, Dana really channels a lifelong fascination with Buster Keaton into an extraordinarily detailed and really entertaining book about Buster's family background his career in vaudeville, film and television, and she frames all of this within the context of the emerging motion picture film industry. So this is a really, really dense book. It's loaded with incredible detailed information, but it's also really entertaining and easy to read. Stevens opens her introduction to Keaton in 1996, where, while attending the University of Strasbourg, she caught an extended festival of his silent classics honoring the centenary of Keaton's birth. So she, I mean, really, uh, she just describes how she was blown away by, by this film festival. So she, she marveled at his acrobatic prowess, his comic timing, and the death-defying stunts uh, he performed. So this inspired her to research him, Uh, and his films at the local film library, which led to a growing conviction that to understand, and this is a quote from the book, uh, Michael, to understand his life was to understand that history of the medium's first century. In Throne, which is the first of the book's four sections, Stevens paints a really detailed picture of Buster's early life. He was born to 18-year-old Myra Edith Cutler Keaton and husband Joe Keaton, who was an acrobat and eccentric dancer, that's in quotes, apparently that's what he called himself, who performed with a horse and wagon outfit called the Mohawk Indian Medicine Show. So Buster's uh, introduction into theater came early, and he was just thrown in hard. By the age of five, he's part of his family's vaudeville act. And only six months later, the Atlanta Constitution named him as the star of the Keaton Aggregation of Three. By the time he was nine... His reputation as a performer had reached both coasts of the U.S., which Stevens details uh, alongside evolving child abuse and labor law reform in the U.S. court. So while this personal story about Buster's early life is unfolding and how children were treated in vaudeville and entertainment and by his family, Stevens also touches on how, as a country, our idea of how children should be treated was was evolving. So change came slowly in the courts, and Keaton's father, who had a lot of issues with alcohol and violence that may have informed Keaton's personal struggles um, midlife, found him struggling. 
So by the time he was nine, his reputation as a performer had reached both coasts of the U.S., and Stevens details this alongside evolving child abuse and labor law reform in the U.S. courts. But the attitudes toward child abuse came slowly, and Keaton's father, who had a lot of issues with alcohol and violence himself, which may have informed Keaton's personal battles, was quoted publicly as stating, he's my son, and I'll break his neck any way I want to. So this view of children as expendable was echoed in the playbills of the time. So in 1901, we see a playbill advertising the six-year-old Buster Keaton as the boy who can't be damaged and the human mop. So, you know, uh, so some of this is, you know, it's pandering to the audience and, and entertainment. But, you know, it really does touch on some some really serious issues and, and horror in Buster's early life. So despite all this, uh, Buster seemed to have a love of performance and a willingness to throw himself, like literally, body and soul into his stunts. And this served as preparation for a series of silent films that earned him a legion of fans worldwide. Part two, Flying. Stevens takes a deep dive into the early days of motion picture film. She touches on the career of several other silent stars, the rumor mill, the early studio system, all without losing Buster in the narrative. In 1917, at just 21 years old, Buster meets Roscoe Arbuckle, another legend of the era who mentored Keaton and other greats like Charlie Chaplin. Buster begins his life in film. So this is where Stevens puts to rest some misinformation about uh, Roscoe, a.k.a. Fatty Arbuckle, and some other rumors of that era that still exist today, which I found really interesting. So by 1923... Keaton was directing and starring in some of the greatest films of this era, from The Three Ages to Sherlock Jr., The General, Battling Butler, The Cameraman, and Steamboat Bill Jr. in 1928. Keaton performed some of the most iconic and death-defying stunts in early cinema. In fact, Roger Ebert was quoted as saying, no silent star did more dangerous stunts than Buster Keaton. Stunts like falling into a speeding car, going down with a collapsing platform, and grabbing onto and running across the top of a moving train. The boy who couldn't be damaged had become the man who couldn't be stopped. I think it's neat to know the title of Stephen's book, Cameraman, is a direct reference to Keaton's 1928 film, The Cameraman, in which Keaton starred and, though uncredited, also co-directed. The movie unfolds with many twists, turns, and setbacks for our hero, but in short, it's about a tintype photographer whose crush on a newsreel secretary launches him on an improbable and dangerous journey to secure news footage. Just when his quest seems doomed, an unexpected turn of events secures his job with MGM, as a motion picture cameraman. But while 1928's Steamboat Bill Jr. was a success, Keaton's movies weren't cheap to produce. In part three, Falling, Stevens recounts how changes in the independent motion picture industry and the consolidation of indies into major studios would impact not only Keaton's career, but his life. And as she does throughout Cameraman, Stevens dives deep into these changes and the major players involved without ever losing Buster as the connective tissue. So by the late 1940s, Keaton has astonishingly survived his midlife and mid-career disaster, and he's embraced the medium of television. Chronicled in Part 4, Landing, Stephen recounts that Keaton coached Lucille Ball in physical comedy for the I Love Lucy pilot, 
and how in 1949 the Buster Keaton show was born. Running for only one season on KTTV, a CBS affiliate station in Los Angeles, Buster again astonished the world with his seeming physical invincibility. Stevens notes Keaton's career resurgence in fascinating detail, highlighting some of his roles in major motion pictures, television, and stage, beginning with a supporting role in Judy Garland's musical, The Good Old Summertime. Other notable projects include the 1952 film Limelight, which is Keaton's only on-screen appearance with Charlie Chaplin, and 1950 Sunset Boulevard, the story of an aging silent film star who becomes a recluse in which Keaton appears as himself. And just as Stevens' book begins with the personal anecdote about her 1996 introduction to Keaton's films while at school, it ends with one as well. While in Los Angeles, having completed research for the book, Stevens booked a car service for a trip to Keaton's grave. When her driver, who happened to be a young Armenian immigrant, asked her where she was going, it sparked a lively conversation about his childhood memories of Keaton from Soviet-era television and an unplanned tribute to his legend. So it's the perfect end to a book about a man whose talent affected and inspired so many from the stage to the movies to TV and around the globe. All right, so Michael, as you can tell, I was really, really thrilled with with this book. And, you know, if you're already a Buster Keaton fan, Cameraman will deliver welcome insight into the making of one of the great stars of the silent film era. And if, like me, you knew very little about Buster Keaton, you're going to be inspired to watch everything you can get your hands on. So restored versions of Keaton's greatest features and shorts are available across the internet, uh, official versions through home media label Kino Lorber, and can be purchased directly from the Kino Lorber uh, website. The top five Buster Keaton movies, according to the IMDb, are The General, 1926, Sherlock Jr., 1924, Battling Butler, also 1926, The Cameraman, 1928, and Steamboat Bill Jr. in 1928. And if you're low on cash, you can find public domain versions of many of his films, including The General and Steamboat Bill, on YouTube.com. Can you tell FPP listeners where to find the book, Cameraman? Certainly, it can be found on Amazon.com and many other online sites that, uh, that distribute books. Uh, in regard to uh, physical outlets, uh, it can be ordered through Barnes & Noble. Other than that... Um, Let your fingers do the walking via exactly. Google. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. The Google. <laughs> Terrific. Thank you very much, Paige. Well, thank you, NFPP and Astro Books, for this opportunity. This has been a special presentation of the FPP, and we'll see everybody back on the 15th of this month. <laughs>